Welcome to the second episode of Rats in the House, the exclusive Team Canada Open podcast. This week, Thompson and Kev catch you up on all things Ultimate, break down the last decade of Canadian U24 Open teams, and interview national team member Cam Harris. Hope you enjoy this week's edition of Rats in the House. Hey boys, welcome to the second ever episode of Rats in the House. Today uh, we got a great episode for you. We do a little quarantine check-in as per usual, get you up to speed on all the news in the world of Ultimate, not a lot, spoilers. And then uh, Kevin and I in our feature piece here, we're going to break down the U24 Canadian Open teams. We'll get into a little discussion about that, which one maybe is the greatest of uh, all time. And then later on in the episode, got an amazing interview with uh with cam harris recently engaged um so we brought him on we have a we have a great chat with him uh so kev uh, why don't you fire us off here and get us started yes sir uh glad to be here glad to be back for the second episode uh thompson um for those of you who missed episode one um yeah we did a little quarantine check-in uh we recapped some uh tournament hotel movies talked about uh you know bingeable tv shows and uh yeah overall just sort of got got things going um again like you mentioned the the cam interview uh thompson i'm jacked up for that as well that was super fun to do we recorded it earlier this week um so definitely listen through because that that is um that was awesome so yeah i mean on my end things are (laughs) things are pretty uh pretty similar the last week uh not a lot of changes um like you said in, in the world of ultimate i mean the only things that i've uh, really seen are just USAU and Ultimate Canada pushing and canceling events. Uh, not too many updates. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it seems seems like more events are just kind of falling falling down here. Um, not surprising. They're just every couple weeks we go, a few more w- weeks into the future in the summer, keep getting canceled. So pretty grim in terms of this summer. It's looking like, but uh, you know, just got to take it one week at a time. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, we we are talking as a team um, over on the West Coast with Furious guys about sort of like what it might look like this summer, and um, yeah, it's hard pressed to think we'll be driving down down to the states for competitions this summer, man. I, I it seems so bad down there, and um, obviously things aren't that great up here either. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Um, so I guess we should kickstart. You finished Tiger King? Maybe you can give me your, uh, <laughs> your thoughts and. Uh, did Carol do it? <laughs> I, I did. Uh, I did finish Tiger King, and uh, I think it was a three episodes last week. So then I like blast through the final four, and it, like as everyone said, it just keeps. They just keep adding crazy on crazy on crazy, and it's amazing. Um, well, I guess it's not really amazing, but it's you can't stop watching. Um, uh, man, Carol, what a villain! You know, it's such a funny show to watch. I found like looking back on it and I was chatting with another friend about this. It's like, you know, they almost make Joe the hero. Like he's the, like the protagonist of the show, even though he's terrible. Like he mistreats his employees, mistreats like the animals, like, uh, but they make him almost the sympathetic character in the show. Like when that other, whatever low guy comes on, you like, he's a scumbag. You know, like you hate him and you're just like, you just want Joe to have the zoo. Right. And it's like, it's so weird that this you start like cheering for this horrible dude who yeah, so man 
if you haven't watched the show, I don't know what you're doing with your time. You know, you're all at home. Put it on. <laughs> yeah, it's truly. Oh my gosh, it's truly horrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the it's the car crash. You can't look away from. That's for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I mean, on my end, a uh, little update, I managed to procure some dumbbells and a skipping rope. So as far as home workouts go, they've taken a big uptick. Um, it was pretty epic actually for, for getting my dumbbells. I've been looking around, looking at Amazon, they're either sold out or not shipping for, you know, a month and very expensive. Um, so one of my friends, she said that she had some like old nasty ones in, in her like townhouse garage um, area and they're like the old iron ones that you screw on and off um, and I figured if they weren't in use the worst case scenario I could have them and see if they would work and uh, they do which is great but getting them was a total disaster I decided I would bike down because uh, it's not very far and I decided to get out bike down there pick them up um, I threw on some panniers onto my bike and I figured this would actually be pretty great and worst case scenario the bike ride home would just be tougher because I'd have more weight Um Newsflash, don't bike with dumbbells in, <laughs> in your banniers. I started off the the, the ride. I, I put it, I put them in. I'm like, at this point, they're like 45 pounds a piece. That's so 90 extra pounds plus the little bars. So let's call it an, an even hundred. And uh, that's a lot. And it's pulling on either yeah. side of your bike. Uh, so I started off and I took oh, one. Extra tippy. Yes, yeah, so extra tippy. <laughs> and I did not expect that. So I just started, I started off. I took one pedal and I crashed immediately onto the ground <laughs> so i have my pants all scuffed up and i'm pretty embarrassed because uh you know crashing sucks and anyway i figured it out and i put a lot of pressure on the panniers and on the bike rack and everything trying to get back and it was it was like a 10 minute ride down and a 40 minute ride home so wow, i definitely did log uh, a workout which is nice uh that's some intense training yeah that's some <laughs> resistance training or something but sort. it was it was uh it was pretty shitty and I, I i didn't make it up one of the uphills so i walked my bike which is a terrible look and uh yeah. i was pretty unstable the majority of the way home really working on those uh balance muscles uh I even ran into tim on the way home and, and he, <laughs> he helped me reorganize <laughs> reorganize them so it was a little better um but he was he was, boy, yeah, he was having a big laugh at me. So, yeah. um, But at the end of the day, I've got two dumbbells. I've got a bunch of different weights options now. They're screwing on and off. There I wash go. them. Um, an afternoon well spent, and now I'm, I'm, it's paying dividends because now I can incorporate them into my workouts. So I feel happy that I did it, but I don't know if I'd want to do it again like that. That's wicked. Yeah, on my end, I've just been, uh, been doing my daily 12 p.m. Uh, Eastern time Instagram workouts with I got a nice crew going keeps growing every week we had I think 10 people on this afternoon uh, to do it and then I've uh, just been keeping my running going so um, I've noticed Pat Bayless he uh, we got on that Strava app so if any of you guys are running or doing any work you know throw it on the Strava app you can kind of good way to like see how guys are doing um, and uh, track it I did a really good 10k I was pretty happy about early this week i think maybe tuesday and uh yeah put up a good time that i was happy about uh it's definitely one of those like skills like you know you don't practice running very often so like the first week i was doing it i felt terrible and now i'm like much easier getting out there getting into it and i find it so much easier to go be like i want to run at this pace and then just be able to do it and not feel like my heart is going to jump out of my chest so you know 
getting into it. My feet are like on the verge of being okay. I think like they're still not great, but they're recovering. Like they're getting to the point where like, okay, this is, this is our life now. We're going to be in this kind of pain. So like my feet got to toughen up is what I'm saying. I also started wearing the compression socks basically all the time now when I'm not running. So yeah, that's uh Got a big workout tomorrow morning. Actually, that's that's one. Uh, this gym that Carol and Ben and I were going to for a while. They uh, they're doing a free workout if it's your first one, which for all of it is. Uh, so we got this seventy-five minute. Uh, it's called a collision workout. Don't know what that means, but that's coming up tomorrow at nine a.m. So that's probably the earliest I'm going to get up for the first time in a quarantine for this workout. You know, I haven't been sleeping in, but like my alarm's been pretty consistently set for like 10 o'clock ish. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i've been staying up pretty late too so it's like everything's shifted but i'm getting up early for a workout tomorrow so a boy nicely done i mean yeah i know bayless messaged messaged me as well and said get on that strava app get running i will and i am i am running i have like a loop now near my house and I, often i do it to kind of warm up for my in-home workouts or my like um garage laneway type workouts uh, i'll loop it it's about uh 3k so it's not this isn't a, a big run by any means, but it, it sort of gets me going, gets me sweaty, gets the heart rate going. And then I add some skipping and, and then I'm kind of off to the races. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll catch up with you someday. I think one of my, you know, one of my nightmares is like, you know, that, that type of person, he, he, this is just a description of a general person, like a 48 year old man who is into long distance running. Like, I'm not going to be mm-hmm. that person. I can already tell, you know, like that's the time I have some uncles that are like that. And I know some people, they're just like posting on their Facebook and they're like, I finished a 163 kilometer run this morning and I got up at six to do it. And, you know, it's just, it's a slippery slope, Thompson. I'm just saying. So when we get out it of is, quarantine, I appreciate that you're doing the running and it's good for fitness, but just, just watch yourself, all right? I don't want to check Facebook in 15 yeah. years and see you running marathons before before work in the morning. So, yeah, I'm the you're the guy wearing the like tight compression yes. pants, but that's it. No shorts over <laughs> yes, top of exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> you know that guy running down the that's street. That's the guy. That's the, the guy I'm talking about. Jacket. Yes. Don't worry, I haven't I haven't thrown the high vis jacket. I'm fully decked in frisbee gear still, so you can tell where my priorities are. a boy. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, the one problem I've been having. This is a weird little anecdote here. Is like. You know, it's sunny now and it's like, uh, I get, my eyes tend to water a lot when I run. Um, it's not just cutting onions when I run as well. Um, and so like, I'll throw the sunglasses on. I got this nice pair of Oakley glasses that they're, they got the like rubber things on the thing. Like I wear them all the time. They're not for sports, but like, I'm like, oh, I'll throw them on. I'll get going. And if I get in a long run, I start to sweat a lot. And then they just like get covered in water. And then like, I can't see. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm torn between like taking the sunglasses and not taking the sunglasses. Cause like when you first get out there in the sun, it's super sweet to have the sunglasses on and like, it's nice not to have the wind blowing in your eyes. But then like, as you start to sweat, they just get drenched and I try and wipe them off while I'm moving, but like you never get it and it just gets hazy. So these are the struggles of my life right now, you know, real, real tough problems I'm dealing with. And you're obviously running fast enough to get wind in your eyes. I don't know if I've ever felt that way. So <laughs> that's yeah. pretty impressive. <laughs> Must be taking those downhills at a pretty high clip. Oh, the downhill is my favorite part. <laughs> oh, well, I know we wanted to touch on a few things we missed last episode. Uh, one shout out. I know Dre, Dre messaged me after. Um, we've been out here on the West Coast. We've been starting... Uh, 
an online euchre playing community. So we have a Slack workspace, a website, stats, uh, score reporting, and we have like 40 to 45 members between Victoria and Vancouver, and we're playing sort of like nightly, anyone can kind of get a game on any night type euchre um, thing. It's called the East Van Euchre Club. Check us out. Anyone nationwide, continent-wide can uh, can join in. So if you're feeling like you want to get some games of euchre with the boys, uh, feel free to shoot us a message and we'll, we'll get you hooked up in there. I was, and I was bugging Lloyd to do it, and he said that quote unquote, he didn't know enough people in the club to join. So, um, you know, <laughs> if you wanted to join, uh, feel free. Um, it's been, a, it's There's only one way to meet them, Lloyd. There's only one way to exactly. Meet them. And it's a, it's a, it's a real treat. There's nothing like hopping in a zoom, a zoom, uh, meeting room and seeing four people that would have never met otherwise playing some Euchre together. So it's been a real treat and it's been keeping me busy. Cause I know it's just how does the uh, how does the actual euchre game go down? Yeah, uh, good question. The is it like an online? Yeah, the the euchre 3D is the app. So there's a really good app, okay. and you can play multiplayer online uh, games. Um, but we have like a kind of a two uh, part system to be able to get games with people that you know or that are in the same club. Let's call it. Um, we have a Slack workspace, and Joel Bellavance, who. Uh, you know, many of you know from the Ultimate World, he he works for Slack, so he really like uh, stacked it up. He he knows how to set those things up, so it's amazing with like bots and everything. So basically, you just post, you know, in there, oh, hey, I'm looking for a game, and more often than not, three people will be like, yeah, I'm in, or the first people to wave their hand or whatever, and then you form a room in the app. So once you know, oh, once you know you're in for a game, then you can add those people, and then you can play a best two out of three or something, and. Um, That's yeah, it's been going really well. We have over 250 games logged, maybe 300 now. And we have, um, yeah, we've got a new uh, website coming out soon. We're working on the back end. So it's it's been keeping us busy because there's no Ultimate League and no gyms to go off to. So in the evening times, if you want to yeah. <laughs> fill you your time. projects. Exactly. Yeah, man, Izzy and I started playing Diablo 3 together. There you go. Our, There's a throwback. Uh, so that we started a little campaign there. Um, and we've been playing some Animal Crossing too. So if anyone else on the team's got a switch and you're playing some Animal Crossing, hit me up. Let's see each other, visit each other's islands. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I do have a shadow of my own. I missed, you know, I gave Lloyd the shadow for Harry Potter, but I'm remiss that I, when after I said Lord of the Rings last week that I didn't mention totally. Um, pretty epic. So the guys in the group chat mentioned it, but we were watching. I think we were on the bus on the way to some trip down into uh, for the AUDL. Throw Lord of the Rings on. Everyone loves it. You know, it's a great, great thing to put on. You can come in and out, as we mentioned last week. And totally, like, he's watching it pretty intently. And at the end of the thing, he's just like, wait, why do we care about these midgets? <laughs> PC is always. So I had to throw that out there. Yeah. So totally. Uh, we, we love the midgets and we love you too. So there, there's your shout out. <laughs> nice. Sweet. Well, let's take it yeah. into this week's featured discussion. Um, Thompson and I, you know, brainstorming ideas for for what to talk about and we think this one um will resonate with most of the guys on the team um especially those that played in the u24 program or at least have been following the u24 program over the last uh, decade because it's been 10 years since the first one um yeah let, let's move into the discussion we're going to talk a bit about um the the relevant u24 open teams for team canada um and talk a bit about how they finish their coaching staff uh break down sort of the top players from each each roster and and then later on in the episode we actually asked cam about his uh 2010 um his 2010 u23 experience and obviously you guys won the gold medal that year so thompson why don't you kick us off and, and walk us through that 2010 team a little bit and talk about that uh, gold medal team 
Yeah, the gold medal team, the only one, not a big deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like so, uh, kind of get into it a little bit in the interview with Cam, but that was my first time ever playing with, uh, with Team Canada. So it was fantastic experience for me on that part. Um, but we had a really fun team. And so like that was like, and also being the first time, like for U24, we nobody kind of knew what to expect, even the guys that have played juniors before. But uh, I think it's just a, like such a cool tournament. You know, you get out and it's just people of that age group. There's no other divisions. It's all just like young adults traveling for the first time. Um, but our team, man, it was awesome. It was like we had like... There's four of us that are on this this iteration of Team Canada. So you got myself, Cam, Dre, and Lloyd. Conveniently, all of us were O-liners in that tournament. <laughs> of so, you know, we got a bit of chemistry going. Uh, quite a few other notable players there. Um, we had Prez, big guy for us. Um, Aaron, for Aaron Lou, for those who don't know his nickname, Prez. Uh, Kev, your brother, <laughs> first the first Underhill I ever met, in fact, was Blair Underhill, uh, playing with him on U24. Uh, we had John Norris. We had Will Ranson, the party operator. Uh, Adrian Yearwood. Uh, everyone knows Adrian now. Jeremy Norton. Uh, and uh, everyone's favorite teammate, uh, Dan Danzig. So um, uh, among many other guys out there, of course. Uh, but uh, those are some notable guys. And what an experience in Italy. Uh, my first time to Europe as well. So that was awesome. Um you know what? Uh, it was crazy because like we're in Italy and like I'd never traveled for like a like a uh, international frisbee tournament before. So like I took some vacation time. I started my trip in France, went to Paris, went to the south of France, got to Italy. I couldn't tell you a single thing about Florence, right? Like we spent ten days there, but I, as as most of us know, <laughs> like when you get to these international events, you don't see the town you're in unless you take the time before or after, right? But I didn't know that, so it was like. You know, we had the first day, the intro day, where you go to the town square, so you kind of see it. But you're you're hanging out with a team, you're you're kind of interacting with other teams, you're listening to the the speeches or whatever, so you don't actually get to explore really. And then it was, you know, hostel, the pizza joint, the fields. That's kind of like the three places I saw of Florence. Like one night, maybe we went out for a walk, but it was like nighttime, you couldn't really do anything. So it's like, yeah, and then basically like the day after the tournament finished was like my train out to Switzerland to get my plane home. So I was like, it's just such a weird experience to not see the town you're in. So if you guys, when we do get to play this tournament, you know, fingers crossed in 18, 20 months or whatever it is, if you want to see Amsterdam make, or, uh, or uh, Louvarden, make sure you're taking a bit of extra days there because you're not going to see it during the tournament. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I know, uh, for me, yeah, obviously I heard a lot from my brother. My parents went down to watch Blair play in that event. Um, I think my aunt even went with them. And, and maybe you could just walk me through that that universe point. I know, um, I think my dad had it and took a took a video of it on his digital camera at the time. I remember it's, it's probably like, even if we reproduced it right now, you wouldn't even be able to tell what's going on. But uh, I know Prez uh, put that pull right on the back line. And then it was just because you, you, you were pulling on universe and... Uh, maybe yes. I mean, were you on or were you on the sideline? What, what was your? No, I was. So we were on defense. Yeah. So I was not playing. Um, not that I couldn't, but you know, probably <laughs> shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> there's people more more skilled to do that. Um, yeah. So the game. For those that don't know, we actually won that game 19 to 18. Wow, old school so that's score. That's a score you're never going to see again. Uh, so games were to 17 at that tournament uh, to, back in the day. 
and you had to win by two, but there obviously was a hard cap at 19. Um, so we we did have a lead earlier in the game, and then it kind of traded through the back half of the game, and I think they actually got a break to go up in terms of like to take the lead ahead of us where we would catch up uh, around 14 or 15, I can't exactly remember, and then we just traded all the way to 18, 18, um, and then we were pulling, uh, and then Prez dropped, you know, just like a beauty um, pull. There was some question whether it would go out or not, but then the guy caught it, so we're like, beautiful um i think he made one pass up kind of to like the goal line basically their centering pass but he was kind of on the uh the edge of the field like to the left hand side uh he tried to make a little break throw i think to his guy mark lloyd comes through steals it he uh he flipped it to dan danzig and then in, in one of the nuttiest moves I've ever seen, he threw a dab throw, uh, the barbecue backhand over to Adrian for the win. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty it, – I'm so glad that it happened so fast. It was, like, not that many throws, and we just managed to do it because, like, I don't know, that would have been so tense. Um, yeah, not enough time to get yeah. – not enough time to feel the major nerves. It always helps. Yeah, it was just yeah. like, okay, the pole going up, one throw, one throw later we get the D, and then I'm like, you're like, what? And then, like, you didn't even have time to get that, like, nervous excitement because it was just, like, flip, flip, done, right? So it was uh, – it's a different feeling being on the sideline watching that stuff happen than when you're on the field uh, for it. But, like, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good good time. Yeah, well – Big win, so – I mean, I know for me, if we jump into jump, – jumping forward a couple years to the next iteration, I – for me and probably a lot of guys around my age, we we looked to that group, your group, as the sort of first. There was a lot of questions of whether or not that that first year was even going to happen. Uh, I know we go into that a little bit in the cam interview, so we can probably push that till then. But but really, for us now that U twenty three tournament, U twenty now known as the U twenty four tournament was established, we were all kind of in, you know. And and I was twenty when around twenty years old when you guys did your rip and so i was the oldest category like i was 23 when we did our u23s and so i I was thrilled and excited to to do that and it was on home soil so a little bit of a different experience than you obviously with uh you know i had no real although i did actually go to toronto a bit before hung out with cal mckenzie and a few of the boys down there and we played disc golf and got set up and then we then we went head up to uh to york for the for the competition but i know uh yeah, the overlap from from our 2013 13 team with the current roster would be Tim, uh, Tim and myself, Isaiah, Fred, and Carol. Fred is the youngster on the team at the time. He went ahead and played another cycle in 2015. But uh, yeah, and other guys like we had Remy Ojo on that team, Miles Sinclair, who played 2016 Worlds with uh, Team Canada, Butters, of course. Um, yeah, that I mean that roster. I think it might not have been as sort of like high level stacked as yours. If you look back, you know your your starting seven and even your starting ten in twenty ten, you know all panned out to be absolute studs in the club division and play multiple cycles in Team Canada. Whereas our sort of top half at the time, we had sort of a top five or six that were quite good and already playing club. And aside from that, mm-hmm. it, you know we were just sort of a. a Mooney, our coach, had sort of developed this deep, rotating cast of kind of guys that could play, do it all. You know, kind of. Uh, um, that was my re- recollection from the from our competition that year. I do have to say, I looking back, I agree so much that that's your, you know, you're in your mid early twenties, 
and it's what what uh, an environment to play in um what an environment to yeah. be that whole season we we went to vegas in 2013 as training camp which is like a little it seems a little dicey it's aggressive because yeah. <laughs> you got for a bunch of kids a bunch of kids and like we talked about in the in the in the cam interview you're just you really are in your early your peak party years here. you're like Absolutely. 22 years old and you just get sent down to vegas with 25 other 20 year old like 22 year olds what an absolute dream and and obviously with mooney and we had alex um alex ramadan and andy collins as our like leadership figures and if you want peak party leadership figures those are probably yeah, yeah, there you go. The those, are, those three characters so like we're we're uh we're out on we went out like a bunch of the nights like i think in Vegas and I mean because it was it was a bonding tournament if anything else because we most of the time we spent beating up on college teams and then we lost to <laughs> University of Florida in the finals <laughs> but for the most part we were just down there to bond and, and we're out and like I remember we're at the tables and I'm I'm playing um craps with Remy who most of you know and he's wearing his goat jersey which by the way party faux pas wearing your jerseys out to the to the casino and to the bars but we'll let him slide yeah. and we're it's vegas yeah so. and we're yeah exactly so we're having like we're having some some bevies and we're at the tables and we're having a sick time and and remy is rolling so hot he is he is like whatever people are asking for and he's on there he's probably in a 15 to 25 minute stint with the dice in his hands and people are loving him they're tipping him guys down at the end of the table are making thousands of dollars off of remy right now and they're just like chanting because he's got his goat jersey on it's right and they're chanting goat 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 every time he rolls the dice <laughs> and then finally he craps out and everyone's selling and everyone's so jacked up because everyone's making money off him and the dice come to me and i'm thinking like oh fuck how am i gonna follow that anyway i go on a heater of my own so i'm out there rolling and before you know it after a few hot rolls the guys down at the end of the table are chanting goat's friend goat's friend goat's friend <laughs> That's so we're out there meanwhile our backs are to andy collins and he's over there and he's playing blackjack and he's just like calling his wife for for <laughs> to get more money because i just remember collins is is he's busting out he loses like three thousand dollars in like an hour and a half and he's like fuck he's like fuck this and he's all rattled and he's That's trying insane. to redeem more money to get back in the tables so you know i know we got robbed of a vegas trip but never go you gotta go in with the money in your pocket you gotta expect to lose it and that's all right yeah like, exactly and you know i mean i love playing table games and stuff but i hate losing money <laughs> so it's uh it's a, it's a tough battle when yeah, you go to vegas well, you're, you're gonna lose the money i eventually. hope we i hope we get a chance to go again because it just feels like this this crew we were we were pretty hot in 2016 when we went to vegas as well just feels like we kind of have some yeah. good juju but i don't want to jinx it so knock on wood um um, to bring up a guy on, on your roster there, the uh, the 2013 from the Notables category you mentioned, uh, Butters. That was the emergence of Butters. Uh, for those that don't know, he came to the U20, uh, your U23 tryout year, um, uh, and nobody knew who he was. I think he'd only put mixed team on his application. He came up from Detroit. Um, and then Mooney saw him and was like, nope, you're playing on the open team. Uh, and then uh, the rest is history because then he joined, uh, he started playing with Goat for, for several years uh, after that. So that was uh, that was Butters coming out party, that U24. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. And he actually captained with uh, Carol, Tim, and myself, and he offered a really cool and unique perspective. He played a lot of his like college years in, in the States. And um, yeah, it was so interesting to meet him 
in that environment. And then he just became a staple of the Canadian ultimate community. So really cool. Um, Thompson, you maybe want to take us through the 2015 team. I guess we should recap. Our team did lose at the, we lost in the finals to, um, the U S it was, I mean, it was a good game. If you look back and, um, reflect on it, it was frustrating, obviously. And we had the lead kind of in the middle of the game. And I hate saying this, but it felt like, it felt like one of those games that if we had, if we had just hung on, if we had taken half, maybe we would have got the mojo and they would have tightened up, but they put together a little run in the middle of the game and we just never really, never really recovered. So, um, that's a silver medal finish. Uh, and then 2015, another silver medal team, Thompson, maybe walk us through that, that, uh, that team. Yeah, another, another silver, silver medal winning team. Um, I can't remember which, where was this one? This was the, London. was this the Ire? London, yeah. not Ireland. It was at the same facility Ire. as the 2016. Right, as as world. Yeah. So this this year actually has the distinction of having the most uh, players that are on this this Open Team Canada. So we got seven guys on the uh, on the roster here. We got uh, Brady, Hugh, Ian, Malx, Will, Samson, and Fred. So those seven gentlemen all on the team. A couple other notables from that team: we had Gagan, Kevin Grew, Nate Hurst, Petey, and uh, and Burrell was on that team as well. Um, so lots of guys in the in the in the scene still um, playing on all sorts of teams. Um, yeah, like you look at those guys and like you got a, a solid solid team. Uh, Mooney repeating as coach again, and I think he added dime for this one. Um, so those of you that know the dime, like another just like insanely funny, great ultimate mind. Um, just a hilarious coach like he's kind of like a little scattered but like he he knows what he's talking about he just isn't always like the best speaker but like such a good dude um yeah like you know again it's funny like having played in the u24 system and then like watching like four more iterations afterwards like you feel like a sense of responsibility and like you really like you want to see them succeed and like they feel like you know your little brothers almost when when they're out there on that one and you're like so like this this year having like so many of these guys and like a bunch of the the west coast guys like i didn't know until these u24 years because like on your club team sometimes you're a bit hidden behind the stars and the bigger names and then you come to these u24 events and you're you know you get to watch guys from the other coast and you're like oh man like this guy's amazing when he's put in this like premier role and like you can you kind of get like a preview of what a player is going to be like in four or five years because like they're playing they're they're the top guy at that time and you kind of got to earn your time on your club team or on the on the senior national teams so it's a, it's a great way to kind of like see the, the star players of the future and i think this 2015 year is kind of like the vector for our team where it was like five years ago so these guys were still young and now they're you know now they're solid men and uh and you can see like you look at the the seven guys i mentioned and like they, they're going to be integral pieces of uh of this team uh this 2020 or 2021 uh canadian men's team yeah no doubt and and it's funny you mentioned mooney <clears throat> mooney repeating and bringing on dime uh I, I i guess i failed to mention that we also had davis in 2013 because shout out to big d for leading that team he was the he kept mooney and, and ramadan in check <laughs> You need somebody. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, in that 2015 year, I mean, there's that story. We'll have to piece it together from secondhand, but we know Mooney, Mooney's barking at the officials and, and, and getting into it on the sideline and then gets booted from the game. 
Uh, you'll have to catch up mm-hmm. with one of those seven guys that was on the site to get the full recap. But then I guess he leaves and puts on a little disguise and comes back into the crowd. <laughs> it's just the most moody yeah, I mean, thing ever. It is the most moody. I, I, I picture the, like, the glasses and like the, the nose with the fake mustache and like Moody just putting that on and then going up into the bleachers. If you ever get a chance and you want the non-PG version, you got to speak to Mooney himself because he will give it to you in uh, some colorful words. No doubt. Uh, if you'd like them. So, yeah, maybe we could have him on sometime and he could give us the the full lowdown from that tournament. Yeah. Well, and there's another um, thing that that team, I remember, now that it's coming back to me, that team, they adopted uh, Furious's at the time break cheer. And I don't know if you remember this, but uh, we had we had actually poached it from the Oregon State men's football team for their first down cheer. And it was pretty like if you, if you remember it, it was pretty aggressive, but it was just sort of like a pointing. Like the chop yeah, the chop. It was the chop. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it just sort of escalated. I remember it's so funny looking back about this. It's like because that team took it to the next level, uh, that 2015 U24 team. And I remember watching on the on the live stream. I'm like, oh, shit, is that what our cheer looks like? Oh, man, we, <laughs> we might have to edit that. <laughs> and they got and I remember you know, that's what yeah. I love about like this age group is that like you can kind of get away with being a little bit of a dick like because everyone is just sort of like yeah they're they're young they're still kids like there's the you know there's a bit more emotion that's like accepted to come out and accepted to like you know like in college spiking is like legitimately a thing every point (laughs) almost you know and like and then in a club game if you spike it now you're just like you're the biggest douchebag on the field if you spike in like the disc in someone's face yeah like but like I remember when I was playing university, it's like, yeah, man, you're trying to taco discs. You're trying to like make the creative funny spikes. And uh, so that's what I love about this age group is like the chop, you know, it's aggressive, but like it kind of works for that, for sure. that age, uh, that age range. For sure. And there's uh, like elaborating on that. I remember. So I remember the that team did it pretty aggressively and then we sort of edited it and furious and it kind of fizzled out in our team but a bunch of the boys on that team that were quebec boys brought it back to their like club and college teams uh, before we know it laval was doing that cheer and their <laughs> junior team was doing it so i'm at so this is a story i'm at 2017 canadian champs and i'm working for ultimate canada at the time and i'm on the sideline i'm interviewing coaches and athletes and i'm writing some stories and whatnot and I'm watching the Quebec junior boys play against Toronto junior boys and Toronto's juniors girls team is watching on the side. Okay. And this Quebec, the Quebec team scores a couple in a row and they're just jacked up and they do the chop and it's like a more aggressive version than I've ever seen. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, how did this develop? <laughs> this is gnarly. <laughs> and sure enough, it's like, doesn't get received very well. And the girls on the sideline, they're asked, they ask maybe one of their dads or something. They say, what to what is that cheer? Like, what's that all about? And this is what the dad says. And I'm standing right next to him and I'm just sort of watching and taking the game in. And the dad says, Oh, that that's, that's furious. George, that's furious. George's cheer. And I was like, Oh my God, how does this guy know that? And then he goes, it's because they're all so unspirited and it's like an anti spirit cheer. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, come on, man, get out of here. Like just straight sewer. Yeah. Straight sewer, man. I didn't have the, I didn't have the energy to get into it with him there. Cause he looked like a bit of a spicy head case. And I was just like, Oh, I'm going to let this slide. Anyway, that's just a funny story that we talk about that, uh, that chop cheer and the development through it. Cause then I see it again at 2018, like college champs. I'm out as a broadcaster and I see, 
uh, Laval doing it and they actually got a green card and got told that they have to like chop in the same direction as their teammates or whatever and they can't do it in the face of the opponents. So. You can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but like it's sports. Like let's get emotional. Let's get a little bit of excitement yeah. in there as long as you're not like being disrespectful, I guess. Like, and I don't think that's being disrespectful. Like, you know, it's a bit of psychological warfare, I guess, but like it's not antagonizing them really and like putting them down in any way <laughs> yeah just you know what i mean it's like yeah you're you're rubbing it in a little bit but it's not like yeah you know you're not saying anything about their their family or like <laughs> no. you know it's not it's not racist it's not a, you know at least that the the way you do the chop isn't racist there's other chops sure uh, i guess you're setting the force set, that are racist setting the bar pretty low but, but yeah <laughs> yeah but you know what like I've always liked a little bit of good-natured chirping on the field, you know, as long as you're not, like, going overboard with it. Yeah, that's true. You can all laugh about it at the end of the day. Um, You know, that's one of the things I like, you know, kind of you're on the sideline with the other team and you're, like, something happens on the field and, like, you kind of quietly make a chirp that only they can hear and then you kind of go back and forth with the guy, like – the person that you're actually chirping doesn't even hear, but, like, his teammate heard it and they're, like – and when you can make them chuckle a little bit, that's like that's my favorite level of chirping. When it's like, all right, you nailed it on the head. They're a good chirp. Like, yeah, that's it is. It's like it's like you know it's good I mean? natured, but it also kind of drives home a little bit of a point, so you can kind of get at them. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So. Well, maybe I'll. Um, maybe we'll, Kev, you want to? Yeah, move forward yeah, to the twenty seventeen. Um, so that team, uh, I know Mooney had actually been selected to coach that team, Thompson, but then uh, got into med school at the time. And, um, mm-hmm. and so he, he pulled out. So Sachin jumped in and Sachin was probably just transitioning to helping coaching Rush and Goat for those couple of years. So he seemed like a pretty good fit. And he brought Pete G, the video guy in as an assistant. And uh, yeah, I mean, this team, I mean, they, they finished fifth. Um, we can talk a little bit about it, kind of how that shook down, but uh, um, probably under, I mean, obviously under, under finished c- considering the talent on the roster. I mean, even we look, we look at the roster overlap with our current team. Um, and this was, this sort of ushered in a new era, um, and kept some of the old school guys as well. But this is like Brett and Tan, uh, Mike McKenzie are the sort of young bucks on this team after coming out of juniors. Um, Hugh repeating for, he played in 13 on the mixed team and then 15 and then 17 to his third. Will also playing in his third. And uh, Malcolm is sort of that grizzled vet, if we can call him that. Um, but yeah, another notables on that team, Thirsty Hursty was on that roster as well. Uh, you know, he played second time. Yeah, for him, yeah, he played 14 in the juniors, that team that won in Lecco, and then he played 15 and now 17. So he was a vet. I remember when this team got announced, because um, then you also have some other good like West Coast guys, uh, Ty B, who, you know, who we've all played with or against at this point, and Cole. Um, when this team got announced, we were looking at this team being like, this team's pretty nasty and could probably do some damage. Mm-hmm. But I mean, coming out a bit flat at the very beginning of the event, just set them on a collision course with the U S for quarterfinals. So what do you make of that? Yeah. I mean, that's like your first game of the tournament is so critical for your attitude. I think for the rest of the tournament, especially in these long worlds tournaments where you might only play one game a day. So like if you're starting your Monday of a tournament with a loss and then you're going back to the hotel and you're thinking, Oh my God, like if we don't, if the things don't go right, we could be playing the States in the quarterfinals or, you know, we could be playing like a tough team in the quarterfinals and then have the States in the semifinals. And it's like, 
you know, you want to get to that point, I think, you know, realistically for ultimate world ultimate where you're playing the States in the gold medal game and you're taking down Goliath. Right. Um, but if you get Goliath before the finals, you know, that's not when David faced Goliath. So, <laughs> uh, right. It's true. So if you want to be that David that takes down Goliath, you, you know, things got to go well. And to me, it looked like this team and I, I was watching the tournament. I was actually in Vietnam at the time when the tournament was going on in Australia. So it was same time zone for me. So I was able to be up and watching all the games. Um, it was a great thing for me while I was on vacation to, to tune in. I was with my buddy who he plays ultimate as well. Um, so watching these games, you could see that their attitude after that game just like wasn't the same. Um, and I think that's the tough thing when you're a young, a young player in this age group is that, you know, we, we just talked about emotion with the cheering and all that, like it can affect you negatively as well. And I think we saw in that game, even in that game, in that Australia game that they, they kind of, you know, started off the tournament poorly with that the, the attitude, they almost lost their attitude in that game. And I don't think they ever fully recovered from that. So it was it's a tough go when you lose your first game for sure and you're up against it and there's and there is a lot of pressure on canada you know we might not be we understand the that the u.s often are just favored when they go into events just by virtue of player volume and and especially the development at the college age for this age category but um but by but by make no mistake canada is favored to medal and favored to probably make the finals every every year and i think there's an expectation when you put on the canadian jersey that you're going to be vying for a gold medal and it is tough, you know, to not be able to kind of pull, pull out of that. Um, yeah, that, that sort of rough start sets you up for such a rough finish. And, um, again, it would have been awesome to knock off the States in the quarters and then, and then, and then maybe get that mojo back, but it just, it just never quite clicked and, and having, and that's the way it goes sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's sports. And, um, I think those guys are probably stronger for that event after, uh, looking back and knowing what can happen. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And then I guess the yeah, 2019, think, sorry, go ahead, Tons. I was just going to say, like, when you start off with that loss, you kind of brought them in, you, you start to question, you know, your preparation and you question your uh, strategies, you question your what you had thought going in and you think you might need to change something. It's very difficult to just say, you know what, that was just a bad one. Let's just go business as usual in the next and then and then get our groove back. And when you start trying to mix things up because of one bad loss, you kind of you lose your way a little bit and you're just scrambling. So Yeah. Jeez. Um, you know, I, I think you're right that those guys probably learned some, you know, unfortunately hard lessons, but like you kinda gotta come out stronger for it. Yeah, and then and then moving to twenty nineteen, obviously probably um not not a ton to go off of here just because it's so recent. Um but a really good performance overall, obviously Quinn and Mikey being the overlaps with our team and then Tim and the coaching staff. So um I mean, at the end of the day, this team made the finals and, and the finals was exciting and a good game. And, and the, I mean, this team was, this team was good, just good top to bottom, a pretty good, we played against them, uh, in a warm up game, um, earlier in the year. And, and, um, yeah, as much, as much trash talk as I like to talk to those, to the young boys while we're battling them, um, they, they were good. They're just really solid. Cole, Cole Keffer making a big impact, obviously for that team. Cole and Ty are guys that, um, you know, on the West Coast here, who grew grew into really solid playing roles. Obviously, I know Kinley was also on that team, but Mike and Quinn, uh, Quinn playing a big role on the on the O line as like a goal scorer. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, overall, a really solid season. But uh, again, just a tough finish against a good U.S. team. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think we'll see in the future, like a lot, like kind of the bubble that we're seeing from 2015, that's going to shift and that this 2019 team will have that and maybe more. And I think what you said is like when you played them, that they're a tough team. I think looking over the representation we have, just the athleticism of these young guys now is like, I remember me 10 years ago at this tournament and like all of us, like we were like string beans, like not that athletic. It like Frisbee itself has changed in that regard. Uh, and, you know, there's obviously there was athletes, like people that Matthew actually like, but it wasn't like being in shape wasn't like the top priority. Like your match fitness, you got through practice, through games, you know, you weren't like, there was no mic, there was no HSP, there was no mesocycles. I didn't even know that term existed, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you didn't have all this stuff. And like these guys coming in, like Mikey is like, he looks like he could be, you know, like play professional football. These guys look like they're like, they've been going to the gym since they were 12 years old. And, you know, so like, yeah, it, it's a different you know beast. What I mean? It's like, yeah. it is a different beast. And they're coming into these tournaments already. In, in better shape and I think it, it it's gonna it's gonna lead Canada to some good places um but it's just it makes me jealous of what what uh what what, what happened uh what could have been yeah well I feel like that's probably a pretty good place to stop Thompson um as we move forward uh I know we've got Cam uh the interview with Cam coming up maybe you can just take us through what that looks like yeah, so we got uh, we got a little interview with Cam coming up. Uh, obviously, he got engaged, so uh, we're gonna chat with him. We're gonna go through all the uh, all the engagement story. Hear hear from uh, from him, and uh, hope you enjoy it. So, without further ado, let's uh, send it over to Cam. Um, all right. Well, we're thrilled to welcome to the show uh, Aurora, Ontario native Cam Harris. Cam's a Canadian University champ, a three-time CUC champ, a two-time world champ member of Canada's World Games team in 2013, an 11-year veteran of GOAT. Um, obviously, pretty much done it all when it comes to Canadian Ultimate Cam. Uh, welcome to the show. Glad to have you as our first ever guest. Thanks, uh, Kevin Thompson. Pretty excited to join the prestigious broadcast. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Cam. Um, Thank you. Well, let's just jump right into it. There's one thing Kevin didn't say in the bio there. You recently got engaged, so congratulations, first of all. Um, Thank you very much. That is uh, true. So we'd be remiss if we didn't jump straight into that story uh, and then get onto the ultimate stuff a bit later. Guys want to know. Um, so dudes, give you congrats if you didn't know. Um, but first of all, how did it all shake down? Now I saw you about a week ago, Saturday, you actually walked past my house and our dogs kind of saw each other through the window and yeah. started barking. Was it that night? I got to know. It was the next night. Uh, the next. So, okay. Yeah. Otherwise you would have been the first to know. <laughs> um, so the way it kind of went down and I like to think of it as there were two avenues of the way I had it planned and how it actually shook out. So I'll kind of go in a little bit of detail in each because the way I had it planned would have been phenomenal. So obviously it's a big moment. Everyone, well, by everyone, I mean me, is very nervous for it. And not necessarily nervous because she's going to, she might say no, but nervous because I wanted to create a good moment and a good memory for her. So I wanted to make it very special. So my idea was to get a whole bunch of sentimental quotes from, from her best friends from uh, elementary school, high school, university, workplace, and her family. 
to try and give her a bunch of feel good, look how much you're loved by all of your friends. And then I would slide in one of those, will you marry me into a little quote jar that she was opening up. So that was the, the premise of what I wanted to do. And a few days before we were talking about how we're even during the, the COVID quarantine, how we're still wanting to have date nights and try and do things that are a little bit still unique that make you feel good. They're like, oh, you know what? Let's have a date night on Sunday. And in my head, I'm already thinking that's when I'm going to do it. And I was saying, you know, we'll get dressed up. We'll, we'll clean up. We'll try and stay a little bit isolated and try and like create a moment within our house. And I was like, oh yeah, awesome. So in my head, I'm like, perfect. This is the Sunday it's going down. So I phoned our parents the Sunday morning. I got their blessing. Um, and then went through with it the Sunday night. How it actually went down <laughs> was after I had already put all the wheels in motion, I spoke to her parents and was, you know, got their blessing, so to speak. Um, I get home and Kim's like, oh yeah, I ordered Indian food for dinner. I'm like, oh, well, not exactly the romantic meal I was hoping for, but <laughs> we'll deal with it. You're both just absolutely stuffed after dinner. And just, uh, <laughs> Trading out on the toilet. Oh my God. <laughs> and then um, she was like, okay. And then went out for like a two hour bike ride and got home. And I was like, Oh, do you want to, you know, get dressed up for date night for Indian food? <laughs> and she was like, nah, I'm good. So we were both kind of sweaty and dirty and gross. And I was like, well, I'm already doing it anyways. So I'm not going to build the courage to do this again. So ended up going ahead with it that Sunday, but the, um, you know, you, you think you're going to be coy. You have the ring box in your pocket. You think you're going to be sly about it. But this is someone that you spend a lot of time with. So they know when you're acting weird and they call you out on your shit right away. <laughs> so immediately, as soon as the dinner came, I was nervous. I have the ring in my pocket. So I'm trying to, to hide that pocket from her so she can't see it. So I'm like doing 270 degree turns to try and get the stuff to keep it hidden. <laughs> And she immediately was like, you're fucking weird tonight. I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, but at the end of the day, she did say yes. And, and things are going well. And we're waiting for this whole COVID pandemic to cross or to pass or before we uh, try to figure out the next steps of when and where to do it. And obviously we'll have a big engagement party and we'll invite everyone in the world to come. Yes. Could be the first big jam of the year. Holy fuck. Yeah. Wow. Cam, quote box and everything. Give the rest of us a chance. <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, so I'm pretty sure the only player on our team, now I'm not 100% sure about this, to actually be married is Brendo. Uh, and, and I'm not even 100% sure about that, but he might as well be at this point. And uh, I guess, you know, probably all of our coaches, but um, <clears throat> I don't know. Do you, do you guys, what do you think? Uh, who's next? Who do you think? I know like on this side, we've got Dre. He's been with Alana for five, six years at least. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Carol and Ian, those are guys you wrote. Thompson, what do you think? Cam? I mean, I, I, thought, I, I, just, I was putting down guys that have been with people for a long time, so I just don't know. Who do you, <sighs> you're you're I, not I, the expert on this, so. Um, I could see it being, being Carol. I could see it being uh, Boychuk. Oh, boy, um, Chuck. There's a, there's a dark horse. <laughs> <laughs> Try it. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, I'm not too sure. I think, yeah, it's a tough question. I don't, I don't have a good answer to that. Yeah, no worries. That's, that's just some ponderings, you know? Um, yeah, who, who knows? It's, it's interesting to think we've got 25 guys and or 28 guys plus our coaching staff. And I mean, I guess our coaching staff are pretty much all locked up, but yeah. you're, you're the, you know, like, uh, one of the first to, to enter into marriage's realm. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. I've always considered myself an old soul on the team. Right? Now it's official. Yeah, you're officially <laughs> one of two married men. All right. Well, with the, that sort of, you know, uh, awesome story out of the way, um, maybe we can move into some of the ultimate discussion cam. And, uh, I guess that's, you know, at the end of the day, why you have, why we have you on here, but, uh, um, yeah, we're not maybe we're not going to necessarily have to jump back all the way to like, you know, the first time you threw a flick or or the first time you went out to your first tryout or anything like that, but maybe we could jump into like once you were in the competitive sphere in like the early 2010s t- kind of time and um you know, from all accounts, you're kind of, you're noted as a competitive guy, a fiery player. Um, looking back to your, your college, like I've played against you for a long time, uh, looking back to your college and your youth days. Um, maybe you could talk about a rivalry with another team or with another player, um, that you look back on being one as one of your sort of like most intense, maybe even nasty rivalries and, uh, and talk about it in any stories that go along with it. I think as I, as I've gotten a bit older, I mellowed out a bit. I'd like to think I've gotten a bit away from the hot headedness. It's still, it's still in there. And Thompson can attest to this. It still comes out every now and then. Everyone's um, <laughs> but uh, I would definitely during the university days, I'd have more, more than my fair share of, uh, rivalries. Let's say for a lack of a better word, I think one of the ones that, that really pushed me to, to be better, uh, was one with Keelan way, who was, um, a member of Carlton and Phoenix and, uh, eventually became teammates on, on U 24s, I think was the first time. Um, but we had, we had a bunch of, of really, really nasty games. There was one game where, uh, I can't remember if it was him. He ended up taking me out of a point. It was, a, a backpack and I was dealing with a bit of a bad knee at the time. So I took an injury sub and then same point. And this is like an eight, one game. This is not close. Um, we were up at the time. I had to throw that one in there. Good clarification. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, points going on, same point. He ends up, uh, taking out another one of our teammates. So I'm like, well, fuck this. I'm coming back into the game. And we got into this huge heated argument of can the same player come back into the game on or the same point of an injury. I was like, I don't know, but you're not keeping me off the field. So I'm, I'm coming on <laughs> Obviously, I much, can. in a much more animated way at the time. So, um, I mean, that was one of the moments there, there were a lot with our uh, Carlton. We had a couple, a couple of really bad games where things got a little bit less spirited, but, um, ultimately with the way it ended up coming out where Keel and I were teammates with U24 and again with, um, TFP in 2012, it was awesome. Like found out he's just such a good genuine dude and he's a lot of fun to hang out with. And it's just good driver around the field. Cause we're both hyper competitive people that wanted to win. 
Yeah, it's funny earlier you said you're an old soul. I kind of see Keelan in the same in the same vein. You know, it's kind of quiet on the like when we hang out and on those U24 teams and the 2012 Canadian team. So it's like it makes total sense you guys would butt heads because you like kind of play very similar. You get very emotional on the field, but off the field, you guys are both like such calm, cool, collected guys. So that's an interesting one that you brought his name up. So. We had we had Keelan, to fight for who, who was the legitimate old soul of the team. We we really had to hash that one out on the field. Yeah, and um, one of the the more modern, I'd say, nastier players I, I find in the sport. Um, only from the sense that I think they bend the rules a little bit to to be in their favor and don't play with as much integrity as I'd like to see. Would be uh, Dalton Smith if you've ever played against him or familiar with him. <laughs> Watching back some of the uh, the footage from some of our rush games where we played against them, it it brought back a lot of emotions from the times we matched up and brought out probably the worst side of me, but ultimately I think it's to his detriment because I usually play better afterwards. That's, I mean, that's, that's what it is about. You can, you get fired up, you go into beast mode when you get through. So, you know, sometimes you go over the edge a little bit, maybe, but like there's that, there's that peak of the mountain there. We want to get you into sometimes. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cool. Uh, any other guys you want to mention or is that, you know, good with that? I think those are the two that summed up kind of my early years and then the more modern era. Sweet. Um, so we mentioned, we're talking about some U24 rosters this episode here. Um, you played U24. In fact, all three of us have, uh, we played together. Um, maybe we could look back at the inaugural U24, which we were both members of, um, what did it meant to you? I mean, any stories that kind of like pop into your head? I know that's 10 years ago now, but, um, how do you, and how do you think this is a big topic here of the show? How do you think our team best of all time, um, stacks up <laughs> against subsequent U24 teams? Team I, I think two out of three people on this podcast would unanimously agree that the, <laughs> our team was by far the best. That's just democracy right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I, I look back, about that 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I look back on U24 with some of the most fond memories of playing Frisbee and especially inaugural one being in such a culturally iconic place as Florence was pretty cool. And the fact that we're going with, or at the time we went with, you know, 60 people that are all within that, you know, 18 to 24 year old range is it's a pretty wild experience and it was a lot of fun to be there with just such a, a good group of people. And with it being in Italy, we had so much, so much time to, to bond and gel as a team because we did everything together and it, it was a ton of fun. Um, yeah. I, I remember I did a lot of traveling that, that year with Lloyd before the tournament and he would mercilessly make fun of my Italian. I would try to order food in Italian and oh man, I would just butcher the language. I, I apologize to anyone in Italy that may hear this podcast, but I was, I was brutal. You want to give us a little sample or uh, you... <laughs> I honestly don't even know what it would sound like in Italian, but one of the gelato flavors I wanted was fruity de Bosco. And that's exactly how I said it. I, I, I know it's not right, but I just can't hear it any other way when I see it spelled out. You know what that reminds me of is the, uh, in, in glorious bastards, the, um, 
uh, Brad Pitt character who like third most Italian and he's like, a river dark <laughs> it's like southern Gorlami oh yeah, that's hilarious that you said that yeah uh, um, and then, so I, I I was just remembering like talking to Kev earlier about uh, like we used to have our meal do you remember at that tournament we had our meals across the street from the field at like that pool complex so we literally have like the tournament dinner and then like we could go swimming right after and it was like all the teams like the girls teams our teams yeah. everybody was like having dinner and then having this huge pool party every night it was crazy it, it was pretty wild and like that's what i mean of having so many people all in the same age all in the same place together it's it creates a party atmosphere that was so much fun to be a part of well yeah and that's one thing i remember it's like you have uh so many people from that sort of like 18 to 24 age range and that's kind of like peak like peak party age range if you will and uh i mean everyone's there and there's like hundreds of athletes from all the different school, uh, countries and you're in the dorms or in whatever the athlete village is. And, um, yeah, what an environment, uh, I mean, we did, we, ours was on home soil. So ours was in Toronto. So that was pretty cool for us, um, to be kind of like the home team. Every time you walk around, you're, you're a little, a little bit more comfortable. So it's like a different type of cultural experience because everyone's kind of looking to you to help kind of guide and set an example in your own home soil. So I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, for sure. So, so Cam, what do you, what do you, how do you think our team realistically stacks up against the, uh, you know, maybe the 20, it was 13 for you, Kev. And then yeah, the years got all jumbled. I thought they were going to do every three, four years, but they seem to be like every two throwing yeah. darts at a board. <laughs> um, it, it's really tough to say, cause it, in hindsight, there could have been a lot of overlap between the two teams. I think our year, not everyone that was, eligible that would have or could have played or should have played did play. And I think if we were to have that full roster of eligible people, I think we'd have a very good chance. Um, the way the rosters were finalized, I would give the 2013 a bit of an edge, but I'd also, I would never bet against any team that I'm on. And that's just me being cocky. So (laughs) I think like, we had, we had a pretty nasty O-line that year. We, we, we had a nasty, like 14 people, but then I don't think we had the depth that they had in 2013. I think we could have, if it was a one game, I think we would win. If it was a tournament, I think they would win because their depth would be to their advantage. I think one thing looking back on sort of all the rosters from the last five, I mean, it's tough to, it's tough to really evaluate the 2019 roster. I think with any kind of clarity, just cause those guys are all still like U 24 practically. Yeah. And, um, you know, with, with the exception of, we know like Mikey and Quinn were on, are on our team, but, and also on that one, it's sort of the most recent tougher to analyze it, but even like 13, 15, 17, I think slowly as you went that way, the depth actually does get better overall. It's hard to, it's hard to actually look back and know what it would look like when players play against each other in their peak. Uh, cause we just don't really get to see that exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, surely the depth is just better now than it was 10 years ago in, in Canadian ultimate and high performance level for sure. So, um, 
Yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, one thing that we, we would always say as like a, in the 2013 team is like, you guys didn't have to play against the U S like we're out there in, <laughs> in the finals, like playing against guys that are, you know, spent 10 years as studs in the club division. Um, but obviously came up, came up short against them. Um, that's always the asterisk we throw on your guys's gold if we ever want to, <laughs> but you well deserved, well deserved gold medal. Obviously. I just like to say they didn't show up cause they were scared of us. Yeah. Yeah. Could be, couldn't get their shit together for the first, uh, for the first one. Um, Unless, un- unorganized down there. Yeah. It's pretty cool looking back. I mean, we were looking at the roster overlap with, it's cool to see that 10 years ago, U24, um, there's still like U2 and Dre and Lloyd are the sort of, overlap with the current national team. So four from four from that year. And then five from our year, uh, with Carol, Fred, Isaiah, Timmy, and myself, and, and obviously tons of like notables in both those teams that have played in former team Canada iteration. So it's cool to see the cool to see the longevity of some of the players, um, as they, as they kind of have gone along. And I definitely think that U 24 system is, acts as such a good springboard for people to start their careers on a world stage at a young age and then get all of that experience of, of being a stud as a young player and then growing from there. Absolutely. I mean, I, I missed playing juniors. Uh, I was playing juniors at the time, but I just like, for some reason I didn't, I couldn't make it out to the tryout for, for juniors. And so U 24 is my first opportunity to play on a national team. So I remember when they were actually starting it up, there was kind of whispers of it happening. And a few of us who'd never played juniors actually like petitioned ultimate Canada to be like, we need to make this happen for us. Uh, Cause I know ultimate Canada was kind of like, well, if the U S doesn't go, should we not go? Like they're kind of going to support the U S and we actually sent in a petition with like a hundred people. I don't know if you remember cam it was Adrian Benedict and I spearheading it like being like, no, we want to go. We're going to pay for like, we're paying for this. So why would you stop us? Like, we'll, we'll organize it if you want us to, like, we'll take all the responsibility. Um, and as you're right, it's like, it's such a good thing for people who maybe missed a juniors cause they didn't play back then. Uh, they started in university or like now you're an adult and you can like travel on your own. It's an opportunity to like go out and see the world kind of as a young adult. And maybe party a little, Kev, you know, <laughs> your prime party years. Isn't it? Your prime so, party years. That's your true. Prime party years, yeah. It's like, you know, no chaperones. You're an adult now. Do what you want. So I, I think it's a fantastic tournament. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I remember like when I was that, so I would have been just about, I would have been turning 20 in that year. And I had agreed already earlier in that year to go with Invictus to world clubs and, in, uh, as the sort of development was happening. And I remember there wasn't like Reddit ultimate and there wasn't like ulti world and skied and anything like that to help guide whether or not these tournaments were going to even happen. It was just like forums and email threads. And I remember just kind of making the decision that I didn't even know if this U24 thing was going to happen. So I bought my return flights from Europe to go to Prague and back with the Invictus team, Calgary boys, which was like 60% furious <laughs> that went to that competition. Yeah. But then obviously like Russell and, uh, Norris, those guys did both. And Will Ranson, yeah. like those three did both. So they just went straight from Prague down to Florence. And, and at that point I was having some, I was like, Oh fuck. Like, they were just like off to their next awesome adventure. And I was just straight back to the airport and home. So that was a little, but I'm glad I got to do it in 2013. Yeah. The actually funny story. Cause I was looking into whether I was still eligible to do 
U24s in 2013 because I was turning 24 that oh, year. Oh, man, could have used you. <laughs> and you know what? In hindsight, I'm glad I didn't because I ended up going with World Games to Columbia, and that was by far the, the pinnacle of my ultimate career so far. That was beyond amazing, and I'd encourage anyone to ever just do it if you get the chance. Um, but I had so much fun with U24s in Italy. I wanted to do it again in Toronto and I would encourage everyone to do that as well. Like they're both unreal experiences. Yeah. Well, maybe we could uh, localize the next conversation a little bit, keep it inside the borders. Um, but I mean, you've played on goat for, for over a decade. Now we were talking earlier about whether it's 11 or 12 or more. <laughs> and, um, like that's incredible. Obviously that type of longevity on any club team and, and playing at such a high level for such a long time. Um, when you think about, I mean, this, the guys will like this talk a little bit, but when you think about the furious and goat rivalry, uh, the sort of cross nation, the rivalry, um, we don't really play against each other very often. But uh, when we do, it just seems like it almost adds that much more to the intensity of the game. So I don't know, maybe do you have any stories or reflections on your time matching up against Furious in the club scene and, and sort of like what that rivalry means to you? For sure. I, I think to begin with, the rivalry has changed so drastically from when I first played against Furious to where it is now. I can recall when we played them in um, in 2011 to qualify at CUCs for, for Worlds. Um, uh, I was coming in there. It was one of my first times ever playing Furious because, like you said, we don't play each other too often across the coast. And I only had the reputation of, you know, heard the reputation of the the big bad furious and they you know they played aggressive they were they played animated they played with the hearts on the sleeves and sometimes things would get heated and chippy and that was my impression going in and i i think at that time maybe i was a bit younger and less experienced and more prone to being thrown off my game by a little bit more physicality but I felt they definitely lived up to that reputation. I thought the the rules were bent a little, but it was still within the rules and Furious ended up coming out on top. But I was very jaded by that loss and the way the game played out. Um, I felt there were a lot of fouls that could have gone both ways, but always seemed to go in the favor of Furious at the game. And I was so jaded by that. That was the biggest motivating factor why I played TFP in and um the next year and i didn't do uh or didn't try out for furious and team canada open and then when you look at how that rivalry has changed to where it is in the modern day i think the the influx of youth in both teams has done wonders to help make it a much more cordial rivalry and it's no longer like the um you know muttering shit about someone's mom under your breath because we all know each other's moms and they're all saints you know it's become a very you know we push each other to the best of our abilities but then we're okay to grab a beer after and always stays pg and it's it's one of my favorite games to play now because of how it's changed and how it's become this it's yeah it's a great game i love it now Cam, you think like thinking back to our, our last discussion about U24s, do you think that's had an effect on the rivalry between our teams? Because like, you know, until 2010, I didn't know any of those guys really. Yeah. And then you know, we hung out with Dre and all those guys and Norris and and Russell and a bunch of other guys. And like now, when we see each other, it's like, oh hey, how's it going? Like, and I think over the years, there's been so many iterations. Like, 
we know each other now. Like, you think that's kind of gone to what you were saying about like, we're friends now. And like, it's not a bitter rivalry. It's like a competitive rivalry. hundred percent. Couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, I think my, I mean, that's, that's such a good point that you bring that up, Thomas, because uh, I know like I, in 2013, I co to the U24 team with Carol and Tim and Tim was actually like kind of finishing up on GOAT and coming over to Vancouver. So he was kind of a bridge there. And, um, but yeah, I mean, the more time you spend with those guys being a part of the national team program and spending time outside of the field together and kind of like a team bonding environment, um, you get to see past some of the some of the things you might just see on the field and might just, just live on the field. Cause for sure, for sure. For me, when I was younger, I didn't know anything about goat. Um, I would never have played with any of you. And, and then, and then, so that was, it almost like was pent up anger when you went into those games. Cause there really was, it's like, well, this is the other team that can that's really vying for a national title. And therefore it's just a natural barrier. And, um, it's interesting to hear you say that cam. And I, and I like, I agree that it has gone. It's less nasty. Um, and just, and just competitive because I mean, I can, I can speak for myself. Like I still want to win those games a lot, maybe more yeah. than games against other teams. But at the end of the day, when we, when we all link up, it's, it's all, it's all, you know, positive afterwards. And even if it yeah. is intense during. And like to that point, I think this game we just had in, in CU season 2019 final is the perfect highlight of it. I think there were both teams were giving everything they had to win and there, there still were calls. People are playing physical, they're playing hard, they're playing aggressive, but then it's, it never devolved into a, an animated, you know, yelling match. It was always very polite discussions. And I think that is the exact example that ultimate Canada and ultimate community in general wants to, to have of we can have discussions that are full of integrity and people being polite and courteous to each other while still resolving the game and maintaining an exceptionally high level of play. Yeah. And I, I, I like a hundred percent agree and um, it, it shouldn't have to take away from the, the competitive nature. Like you and I know just as well that we could get out to our first training camp of team Canada and it can get like intense and heated and it could even get nasty a little bit, but it's all going to be okay. Cause we all are teammates and, and friends off the field. So um, yeah, it's good to, it's good to be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. So Cam kind of circling back to the rivalry uh, um, to like your bit, uh, sorry, I'm confused here. Um, circling back to like, if you could name one person from furious, maybe over the years, doesn't have to be a current player. Doesn't have to be team Canada member that you've had like kind of not a goal, like not a, a, a bad relationship with, but like maybe like the hardest person you've ever played against on their team. Ooh. gave you the hardest time out there whether that be physically or whether like they were just so good like you had a hard time getting open kind of thing hmm. well, this might be a little bit off the books and i think it was a byproduct because i was a lot younger and less experienced with how to set up and and get open but i think big cat back in the day was was a challenge for me and he did a, a really good job of, of stepping on my feet to make sure i couldn't get open yeah i'm sure he's not only is he <laughs> would be a physically demanding uh, opponent but also he's he was never shy with running his mouth a little bit too so I'm sure that didn't help <laughs> and i literally mean stepping on my feet 
Oh yeah. I, I know. He, he, he's been known to bend the rules. <laughs> um, Cam, we're, uh, I'm going to actually, um, switch gears here a little and take, take us back into the, into the quarantine life that we're living right now. Um, and before we move on to the rats quick quiz, um, could you maybe answer for, for your team Canada boys here? If you could pick anyone on our current team, goat or furious or revolver or uh, Ottawa or <laughs> Winnipeg, um, anyone on the team to be quarantined with for this period of time, uh, who would it be and why? And anyone that you would not want to be quarantined with and who would it be and why? <laughs> So I think the why will be the same for both of them. Um, and that'll make sense in a second. I'm, I'm a big fan of having a little bit of privacy, especially within my home. So I think the person I would want to be quarantined with, uh, would be Carol because he, he doesn't post Instagram or Facebook or anything. And he's, he's still a great guy. He'd push me to work out. He'd make me feel shitty about how much I can lift relative to him. And then I beat his ass in Mario Kart to feel better about myself. Um, and then who I would not want to be quarantined with is someone who I think would post a lot of in-house activities to social media. Um, love the guy to death. He's the teammate of the year, but it would, it would be Jackie Howe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Same reasons maybe, for for and against. Maybe we should send him over so we can get like some inside footage of your place. Cam, it's like, it's like the <laughs> fortress of solitude over there. <laughs> uh, Thompson, do you have any other questions before we move on to the rats quick quiz? No, man, I'm, uh, this has been awesome. So. All right, cool. All right, let's see it. So, uh, the rats, the rats, a quick quiz segment. Uh, We're going to try to do it with all of our interview guests. Um, this is how well, you know, your cross country rats. Um, so for cam, we'll be interviewing him about, uh, guys on the West coast. Um, we'll be asking him questions about guys in the West coast. So, um, let's jump right into it, cam. I'll, uh, I'll kickstart it with uh, question number one. Uh, you probably wouldn't know this cause he doesn't let it on much, but this West coast rat is a trained red seal chef and works at a Brown's restaurant. Is it Dre? Nope. Uh. <laughs> That's Will Vu. Make sure you mark uh. that down. So, you know, okay. I'm sorry. Will. we're going to move on to an easy one here. Uh, sort of, uh, who is likely, um, the biggest golf enthusiast in team Canada, but despises disc golf. Oh, I'd have to say Dre again. <laughs> That's Tim saying for you there. The guy can throw, uh, the, throw the disc a mile, but he doesn't want to get out on the disc golf course. I was, you know what? I was thinking it would be Tim saying, but I thought he would love disc golf because he would just be so good at it. He would be in theory. Uh, the guy loves golf though. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, See if we can get you on the, on the, on the board here. Uh, which West coaster commonly goes by the nickname hemp Papa. (laughs) I say Isaiah, but I know he's not West coast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm drawing blanks. I don't, I don't know who, uh, 
who does that, that out there. That is Samson Hoy, and it's not because of his <laughs> marijuana habits. Oh. <laughs> is it? What's the, okay, we need a little story. Yeah, what's the story? On I mean, you'd have, to get, are both curious. you'd have to get Fred to tell you the story, but I think it's just simple word association. It's Sam, Samson, Samp Daddy, Samp Papa, Hemp Papa. <laughs> well, there's the, uh, in, uh, what's that movie with, um, uh, Dave Chappelle, where he's the, the janitor. Half-baked, that's what I'm Right, right, right. Where he says, I want to talk to Samson. Like Samson's oh, that's the, probably where the it's drug from. dealer, so that might be where it's from. Oh, you'll have to talk yeah. to Fred. Fred will give you the full rundown for sure. Yeah. All right, question number four. Uh, which West Coast rat was infam- infamously cut by Patrick Mooney for the 2015 team, only to be added later on and wound up being a starter in the gold medal game? Was it Quinn? No. We'll give you another answer because Quinn was like 12 years old at that point. I believe he would be that good even as a 12-year-old player. <laughs> 2015. Give you multiple choice for this one. Braden, Hugh, Ian, Malcolm, Will, Samson, or Fred? I think Icy's about that age. Good answer. There it is. First one on the board. <laughs> Okay, last question. Sorry, I had a good story about Icy. So before we played in uh, 2016, he, or I guess during the trial process, saw him play. And I was like, holy shit, this guy is phenomenally good. And I was like, this guy is immediately the equivalent of like a West Coast Carol, but like five years younger, 10 years younger, whatever it is. Like, dude, super impressive right away. Yeah, well, Mooney obviously missed that in the first time around. <laughs> well, TC mixed teams, any judgment from uh, Mooney, we'll, uh, we'll take that <laughs> under consideration. <laughs> All right, Cam, let's finish strong here. Last question. Uh, this West Coast rat was actually born in Hanover, New Hampshire, the Granite State. Ooh. And he grew up in Toronto, for a hint. Oh, throwing up digits. That's a layup now, Cam. I think it's Dre. There you go. That's <laughs> Dre. Guessed it two times or guessed it wrong twice, but uh, it at the end. I knew Dre would be an answer for something. <laughs> All right, Cam. Well, in an inaugural. I was expected to be about his badminton, if anything, though. <laughs> in our That's... inaugural Rats Quick Quiz, you went two for five, 40% which is the highest score ever. So you're topping our leaderboard. <laughs> also the lowest. I wanted to set the bar low for the next people also to it. come in and, and soar. There's well, a teammate right there. I'll tell you one thing. You set the bar high as far as our first interview guest cam. And with our 40-minute uh, free trial Zoom running out, um, we'll call it there. But uh, thanks so much for joining us, dude. And uh, looking, forward to, looking forward to seeing how the boys, uh, how the boys react to your interview. For sure, man. This was awesome. Thanks for having me both. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming on, Cam. Take care. See ya. All right. Well, huge, huge thanks to Cam Harris for that. Obviously, uh, didn't um, didn't perform admirably on the quick quiz, but uh, hopefully the guys will be more prepared for that. He was sort of, sort of the guinea pig, so <laughs> no disrespect. Um, but yeah, that was an awesome interview. Some cool stories, uh, getting, getting a chance to catch up with Cam. And uh, we look forward to hearing from some of the other guys in the future episodes, Thompson. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, guys, in the future, if we, if you're asked to be on the pod, uh, just remember there is going to be a quick quiz. So maybe study up on your opposite coast teammates because uh, that's coming at you. That's going to be a little bit we do. Um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome to catch up with Cam and and uh, 
you know, just chat to somebody new that I haven't, haven't chatted with since this quarantine began. And funnily enough, uh, two days after we, we did film that interview, walking the dog, we ran into each other on the, out in the park and, and caught up again. So, you know, it's nice to, nice to see some guys face to face every once in a while, even if you got to stay six feet apart, uh, the dogs didn't, but, uh, it was nice to see Cam again. So hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Um, and, uh, looking forward to talking to you next week again, next Friday, about uh, maybe some little reading material that you can uh, get into. Uh, that's a little preview for next week. Thanks, guys. Take care. I threw a wish in a well. Don't ask me, I'll never tell. I looked to you as it fell. And now you're in my way. I trade my soul for a wish. Pennies and dimes for a kiss. I wasn't looking for this. But now you're in my way. Your stare was holding, ripped jeans, skin was showing, hot night wind was blowing. Where do you think you're going, baby? Hey, I just met you. This is crazy. So here's my number.